0: His love does indeed endure forever. This morning we'll be looking at how it begins to be poured out on the world through the event of Christ's conception and Mary's carrying him over the course of the first few months of her pregnancy. And we'll be doing that with the reading of the words of Luke 1, the verses 39 to 56, which you'll be able to find on page 1178 of your pew Bible. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zecharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, and the babe leaped in my womb for joy, blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. the word of God. This morning we'll be looking at uh, one half of this passage, the first section, verses 39 to 45. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every pregnancy carries with it drastic change. For many families, having their first baby means entering a completely new world. Suddenly, you have new responsibilities. Suddenly, the demands on your time change significantly. For those who are parents for the first time, you, for the first time in your life, have another human being in your care for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In the case of some babies who are born, their birth has an impact on people beyond the immediate family. Take, for example, A couple years back when Prince George, the son of the royals, William and Kate was born. In their case, there's suddenly a whole nation who's interested that sees the potential for the future in this little child. This is even more the case in countries like Saudi Arabia, where being born a crown prince has even more direct of an impact on people. What's the character of this child going to be like? People ask, will they rule well when they're older? A nation in such a case is a lot more invested. With the birth of Christ, however, we see something even greater taking place. Although most of the world doesn't know it at the time, Christ's birth divides time itself into two. In the the era before his coming, God had only ever intervened through the prophet's telling his people his will he allowed the people to draw near through the sacrifices and ceremonies but as we read read in hebrews 10 verse 1 these things are only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of these things now with the conception of christ a new era has come the reality has come where shadows only proceeded. God's interaction with man has shifted to a new level. Time itself has moved from one era to another and we get to follow Mary as she sees the shadows become a reality. Today we'll see Mary accepting her lot with humility, coming to visit her relative to see the sign that was the guarantee of the promise and we see a meeting that demonstrates the transfer from one era to another, from an old world to a new. Today we'll find that even in the womb, through the meeting of two pregnancies, Christ leads us from the old world to the new. In the opening words of our passage, we read, Now Mary arose in those days. It's an interesting way to phrase it, isn't it? If we were speaking in today's language, we would probably say, right around that time, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Or shortly after all that happened, Mary left home to visit Elizabeth. Of course, we recognize that this is writing that's 2,000 years old, so it's understandable that they would use phrases that seem different to our ears. But there's more to it than that. And that's what I want to address for a moment. There's two reasons that Luke chose to use this kind of language. In the first place, it's for reasons of continuity. He ties everything that happened to the person of Mary in the previous verses to what's coming up next. Everything that happened to her in her conversation with the angel, everything that's come up to that point in time, he's bringing into our passage today. It's like young people have learned in English class. Make sure that your readers understand the setting, the place, and the time. He's making sure that people understand this scene is happening within a short time period of the angel's announcement to Mary that she's going to have a son. Now the second reason is that by using the phrase, in those days, Luke is using what's called a Hebraism, a Hebrew expression that's used to move the narrative onwards. Some may argue that it's a deliberate choice on Luke's part, and some say, well, that's just a question of the type of language that Luke uses, him being a Hebrew. But either way, the Holy Spirit, by letting that kind of language be used, is directing our eyes to the Hebrew Scriptures, to the Old Testament. If there was any doubt that he's bringing to mind Old Testament language, know the word that's used for the region that Mary goes to. Luke says that Mary doesn't go to the region of Judea, which is the Greek name. No, he says she goes to Judah. And as Luke uses the term Judea later, you only need to look as far as Luke 1 verse 65, we can see he's not doing this because he doesn't know how to spell Judea. In Greek, he's drawing attention to the attention of the person who's receiving his text to a division between the old world and the new. The old world was one in which God sent his prophets to his people. He led his people himself, and then he led them through kings, although some were more open to acknowledging his rule over them than others. But after many centuries, after the people rebelled time and time again, they were led into exile. After the people returned from exile and a remnant was reestablished in the land, there came a time in which there was silence. 400 years of silence, in fact. There were no new prophets. There were no new scriptures. God had said everything new that he had wanted to say to his people. In the meantime, he was taking the time to set the stage for the Messiah. For 400 years, God was shaping and moving nations. He was creating the optimum setting for the fast spread of the gospel. Jews in almost every major city in the Roman Empire who would serve as the foundation of this new kingdom that was coming. Roads which would allow the message of the gospel to spread quickly and safely around the Roman world. Greek as the international language at the time, so that many people would be able to understand the gospel message easily. In the meantime, he taught his people through his word instead of through new revelation, through the existing scriptures. For 400 years, they had to comb through the scriptures, and in that time, They were able to come to the realization that God had continued to reveal to them that there would be a Messiah that was coming. They were able to see that common thread that would travel through the scriptures. And now, 400 years after that silence, God was on the move. But he was no longer relying solely on the old world. And the old ways as his bringing the gospel, as his way for bringing the gospel. He appointed John the Baptist as the final prophet, the last prophet speaking in the pattern of the old world. This other child who Elizabeth was carrying, whom Mary came to visit, was the one of whom the prophet Malachi spoke in Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And through John the Baptist, he would prepare the way for a new reality for people on earth. He was preparing the way for God himself breaking into the world in the flesh. He was preparing the way for more than the word spread through the gospel. The word made flesh. He was preparing the way for the Messiah. The old world was giving way to the new world. Shadows were giving way to substance. The images were giving way to the reality. John the Baptist, the symbol of the old world, the forerunner who has proph- prophesied, would give way to the Son of God Himself. The day in which this bowing down of the old world to the superiority of the new one would not come to the public eye for more than three decades. God was waiting for the perfect time in history to reveal His Son. But that didn't stop it from coming to pass in a small way right now. We read in our passage how these two worlds come together the coming together of two mothers. One, the mother of the unborn infant who is a symbol of everything represented in the old covenant. God's relationship with the people of Israel. The sacrifices, the ceremonies, the prophecies, the temple worship. The other, the mother of the one who would usher in the reality of the new covenant. God's relationship with his people in bringing them to him by grace, through faith before he was going to prepare the world, before he was going to usher in this new kingdom, he was taking the time to prepare the mothers of these two great figures. He was taking the time to prepare these two women. So before we touch down on that in more detail, we have to ask our questions ourselves the question, what brought Mary to Elizabeth in the first place? We know that Mary came to help out Elizabeth for the remainder of her pregnancy. Mary comes to Elizabeth in her sixth month, and she leaves three months later. She's not being a house guest for three months. She's there until Elizabeth's ninth month. That's a pretty standard thing to do. If someone's a little bit older and they become pregnant, there can be health concerns. Already with young women, how often do you have it for the first child that at least your mom and friends will come down to help you as you get closer to full term? How much more would be the case with someone who is far past the age of marriage, whose pregnancy would potentially result in more complications, who had locked herself away in self-imposed reclusion, and who would have needed help even with the little things like getting groceries? On a side note, this can be a reminder to us for the aid that people can be to each other during this time of life. That being said, simply to help out Elizabeth wouldn't have been the primary reason that Mary would head down. It wouldn't be the first reason or even the most important. Rather, the reason for her going, in fact, the reason, the very reason that she knew about Elizabeth's pregnancy at all, was because she had just had the angel reveal this fact to her. The main reason that she was here was because of the announcement of the angel to her. The sign that the child she bore was the Messiah was, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. This was God's blessing on Mary. This was the revelation of his kindness to her. He didn't just care about the fate of the whole world that hung in the balance. He didn't just care about the Son of God who was made flesh, who would be entering into the world. But he cared about this individual. He cared about this young woman. And he wanted to grant her the confidence, the assurance, and the comfort that she would need in the days to come. The meeting was a confirmation for Mary to grant her hope and strength for the future. Her haste that we read about in this journey that would likely last three or four days indicates her sincere and her strong belief in the word of the Lord. And the moment that she enters into the house of Zechariah, the promise that she was given was proven to be true. The moment that she opens her mouth with the word of greeting, the truth of the words of the angel who had said that she would bear the Son of God were shown to be true. Elizabeth comes out to greet her, and Elizabeth is pregnant. In that moment, the child who is the epitome of the old world the prophet who would carry that same message that God would send his son into the world to bear the penalty for forgiving your sin and mine was filled with the Holy Spirit and left in the womb of his mother. Why was this the case? Because the Holy Spirit had just impressed on this unborn infant that the old world's messenger was meeting the new world's king. This was the one of whom the prophet Malachi spoke. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Does that sound familiar? That's because the angel spoke about the forerunner who would come. This infant in the womb of Elizabeth. He used these very same words to describe him in Luke 1 verse 15 and following. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This infant was to be the final prophet, speaking in the manner and the power of Elijah, who was quite possibly the greatest Old Testament prophet of them all. He was the one in whom the entire world came together in one person. The old world's messenger declaring to Elizabeth and Mary in that moment that Jesus was the one the entire world had been waiting for for millennia. You're reading a whole lot into that baby's kick, you moms might be thinking right now. And if it was just any other baby, you'd be right. But there are a few things that set this situation apart. As we just noted, this wasn't just any baby. He was the one prophesied to open the way to the Messiah. And the sign confirmed this, the fact that he was conceived to an old woman who had a lifetime of barrenness behind her. That being said, this kick wasn't just any kick either. This child leapt in the womb at the sound of Mary's voice. And we only find this kind of language in two other places in the Bible. In the Septuagint, we find the equivalent Greek in Genesis 25 verse 22 describing the struggling of twins in the womb. And Psalm 114 verse 4 describing mountains leaping like rams. You almost get the picture of the mountain goats dancing up the sides of cliffs, of male sheep fleeing from danger over rocky crags. That was the kind of movement that Elizabeth felt in her womb. But there was more to it than that. Just as an unborn child, who shouldn't have been able to recognize the presence of another infant, was moved by the Holy Spirit to leap in his mother's womb, so this mother was also moved to speak. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Spirit translates her recognition of the baby leaping in her womb into a prophetic word. Mary is blessed to be the Christ-bearer. The phrase used, blessed are you among women, is used of Jael, One other woman through whom the Lord brought deliverance to Israel. The child is described as Elizabeth's lord, this child in the womb of Mary. The wife of the priest serving intimately in the temple in this exalted position was submitting to the deliverer being carried by a young woman from Nazareth of Galilee. Mary's faith in God's promise and her word in God's promise and His Word, marks her as a forerunner of the true believer who trusts in and responds to God's Word. The haste with which she traveled to where Elizabeth was showed her trust in the Lord. This second part of the passage is the realization that the blessing is becoming real. The blessing given by Elizabeth becomes real and is grounded in God's bringing his promises to completion. Mary's assurance in God's promise came in part from knowing what God had done already so she could trust in what God would do. What a comfort it would have been for Mary to see the promise affirmed before her eyes. That haste with which she moved To come down to visit her relative Elizabeth. Confirmed, resulted in a confirmation for what was true. And what a comfort this is for us as well. Brothers and sisters, if he is the one who is the Lord of Elizabeth. If he is the one to whom all the Old Testament, the Old World pointed to. The one who was acknowledged by this child, whom the entire old covenant was wrapped up in. How much more should we move with haste to confirm that he is indeed our Lord as well? If the elderly wife of an elderly priest could cry out in blessing and joy, in awe that the mother, the mere mother of her child, should come to her. How much more should we cry out in joy that the one who is our Lord has indeed come. And that he's not only come, but he's conquered sin and death. And that he reigns in glory. That he will bring his many brothers and sisters to glory as well. We not only have an old world that has gone by, overwhelmed by the reality of a new world in which we currently live, We have a world that's yet to come, that is promised to us. Put your trust in this Savior. Put your trust in this King. And start to live life in the comfort of that hope, in preparation for that life to come, grounded and built up in Christ our Lord. Amen.